Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Slug Club, where all things Harry Potter and mischief are managed. Justin from Hufflepuff here, along with my fellow Hogwarts classmates, Abby from Ravenclaw, Liz from Slytherin, and then also, as always, is my brother Rob from Gryffindor, who's never read the books. Thanks for joining us for part two of our latest series, Magical Gifts Found Within the Wizarding World. In our last episode, we talked about parcel tongues and the rare ability to speak to snakes, and also about St. Patrick and how he probably was a wizard who drove out the Slytherin family line out of Ireland. Oh man, say it so, because I, I just can't get the picture out of my head of St. Patrick running around and being like, all right, now off with you. Shoo! Shoo, you serpents! All the snakes going... And then Shoot them into the sea. <laughs> and then St. Patrick being like, you too! And then just all the gaunt family running around in their dirty white linen nightgowns. <laughs> driving into the sea. <laughs> but on this episode, we're going to be talking about seers. The ability to see into the future. Have premonitions and visions that are unique to only certain individuals that possess the inner eye is that what it says in the books the inner eye to see the future yeah broaden like your minds <laughs> broaden your minds emma thompson <laughs> is just iconic <laughs> i it took me way longer than what it should have to realize that was her yeah yeah i know that's it right because she so much. <laughs> lost herself in the role and it was wasn't she, just uh, those maz Kanata glasses that she was wearing Mm-hmm. I kind I had the same I had the same effect when Liz dressed up as part of Rob's D and D role play for his bachelor that party. Was delightful. <laughs> oh my she was gosh. Like reading aloud from Twilight. Liz the potion master. <laughs> Liz the potion master. <laughs> All I remember is Liz holding a uh, bottle of sprinkles or like of a uh, glitter, glitter, and then just throwing it at people. <laughs> Blessings. It took me a long time of showering to get all that off because I just remember being covered in sweat and (laughs) glitter being chucked at me. (laughs) Oh, it was like prom night all over again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. I just remember Liz's best line, that iconic line of I see that you are one who has been touched by love. <laughs> and I was in the middle of answering. I was like, "Well, yes, actually, the oh, <laughs> just she just took a handful of glitter." <laughs> just... For those of you unfamiliar with Rob's bachelor party before he got married a couple of years ago, all of us gathered together. Ago, you mean nine years ago? <laughs> nine I was gonna years say, ago. This was eight like years, ago. years ago. <laughs> Seems just like yesterday, though. What a great night. All of us got together out into the woods and did a massive, large-scale D&D LARP session. And I know exactly what you're thinking. Wow, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and it was. It was amazing. And Liz's role, everybody had a role, you know. I was the best friend who befriended Rob out in the woods. And then also, plot twist, was the main villain. And then <laughs> Abby and her husband Nick were peasants. Well, and in the beginning, though, we were part of, like, the bandits that, yeah. um, like, ambushed. And then we were bandits <laughs> again in the woods when you guys left us out there for, like, an out hour. The, we got out in the mosquito-infested woods. <laughs> hey, you I guys was took so it like relieved champs. when he showed up. I was like, just kill me now so oh, I can thank you. I can die now. <laughs> you know, it was fun. It was fun fact. It was just uh, every single encounter 
I always killed Nick, Abby's husband. <laughs> you die first. <laughs> he was always the first to go. And I remember I killed Nick and uh, our friend Olu was uh, <laughs> our friend Olu just standing in the back. And he's he's one of the bandits, too. But he was so impressed. He was like, oh, got him. <laughs> Broke character. <laughs> he was so impressed that he broke character. <laughs> But then we also had Liz, whose role was the potion master, there in the town square. And she killed it. Mm-hmm. Highlight of the night. Stole the show. Absolutely. Probably the best character I've ever played, including Frumacera. Frumacera. I don't know. Frumacera is pretty good. Coming out on that big giant ladder train that looked like mm-hmm. you were wearing one of the Gaunt <laughs> family robes. <laughs> Classic. Do we have like a group picture of all of us dressed up? There's gotta be we one have, line around. We had to have had a group picture of some kind. There's absolutely tons of pictures out there. There's a picture of me and Rob in the woods. Maybe even a picture of oh, my dad sure. dressed up as a knight. <laughs> as the as the goat knight. That. Dad was basically uh, Sir Nicholas de Mimsy Porpington. <laughs> some dead knight. <laughs> a specter. <laughs> Just... You know how some people they get the they get the assignment and there's there's people who will just take it and just just create their own thing. really ran with it too. Yeah, yeah. And the he was like, "For I am only an apparition." Like he was like Hamlet's father's spirit or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there are some people that you need to keep on a short leash. And then there's some that you need to keep on a long leash. You let them not run because free. you trust them, but because when you let them run free, you never know what's going to pop up, yep. and you're along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And we're along for this ride right here, here on the Slug Club. We're going to be joining with our Ravenclaw friend Abby, who is now, after all of her research and tons of preparation, tons. heading into so this meeting, visits to the restricted section, multiple <laughs> nights of breaking curfew diving full on into the material here's abby to present the seer so in the words of minerva mcgonagall true seers are very rare and professor trelawney that 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 (laughs) (laughs) so for those that don't know a seer is a gifted wizard or witch who has the ability to see into the future with their inner eye now we don't have a whole lot of true seers that are really mentioned throughout the series there is of course sybil trelawney And then, you know, the only thing that really seemed to have given her credibility, um, you know, other than the fact of Harry's uh, prophecy that she gave to Dumbledore was um, her great, great, her great, great, great grandmother. Uh, Hold on. Pause. I didn't think she was that much like generational gap. It was like her grandmother. Yeah, I think uh, it is the grandmother. Great great grandmother. It, oh, it's her great great farther than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So her great great grandmother, Cassandra Trelawney, was considered to be a genuine seer and was very gifted. 
and considered very powerful. She was even referred as legendary on more than one occasion. So that tended to give, you know, Sybil Trelawney a little more of the benefit of the doubt. Because it's like, well, maybe it runs in the family. But, you know, there's no really any confirmation on if it is hereditary. Because kind of like parcel mouth, you're just kind of born with it. Like, it's something that you can't really learn, which makes it questionable, I feel, that divination is a class. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you can try and read tea leaves, you can try and view a crystal ball, but if you just don't have that inner eye, you're probably not going to see anything. You can't learn it, which is why Hermione hates it. Right. I mean, Hermione hates it. Professor McGonagall, like, she's scoffed and sneered at it multiple times and even Dumbledore was pretty skeptical of it even though he you know basically and like just plans Harry's entire life around this prophecy that like Sybil gave him Mm -hmm. you know months before Harry was even born and it's but in that same vein Dumbledore does convey the idea that prophecies only have as much power and truth as people attribute to them and that they're only fulfilled when people react to them. Like, for example, um, Dumbledore tells Harry, quote, if Voldemort had never heard of the prophecy, would it have been fulfilled? Would it have meant something? Of course not. Do you think every prophecy in the Hall of Prophecy has been fulfilled? And Harry said, but but last year you said one of us would have to kill the other. And Dumbledore replies, Harry, Harry, only because Voldemort made a grave error and acted on Professor Trelawney's words. He heard the prophecy and leapt into action with with the result that he had not only handpicked the man most likely to finish him, he handed him uniquely deadly weapons. So that just... You know, Dumbledore, he was skeptical of it, like, you know, people who are, in a way, he was skeptical of seers, but he does realize that it's like people, when they hear prophecies, whether or not they're accurate, if the person can actually see into the future, speaking those words does kind of like give a little bit of power, right? Because people are immediately skeptical and they kind of change any course of action they might have had to kind of like, you know, either try and get away from what the prophecy said or, you know, go towards that prophecy. Mm-hmm. So, in the series, the only true seer, seer that we do know of is Sybil. And, you know, not a whole lot of people really gave her any sort of credibility. Um, a lot of the Ravenclaws did tend to like her because, I mean, you know, their house is in the astrology tower. And um, Ravenclaws are just kind of a little more known to being open to, you know, that sort of aspect than, you know, some other people. Because a lot of people credit Ravenclaws with, like, being super smart and, like, everything like that. But think about Percy or Hermione or McGonagall, who are all very, very smart. And Dumbledore, none of them Mm -hmm. were in Ravenclaw. So it's like a different mindset, right? So a lot of Ravenclaws gave Trelawney a little more of the benefit of the doubt in the class than, say, the Gryffindors did. But she did 
throughout the series give at least two other genuine prophecies other than Harry's prophecy. And so in book three, which is Prisoner of Azkaban, when um, it was during Christmas, I believe, um, when everyone was sitting down, there was, there was some people sitting down and eating Christmas dinner. And there was only 13 people sitting there. It was a very small like amount of people staying that year for Christmas, which most of the kids had families and went home. Harry did not have a family. Mm-hmm. So um, when Dumbledore got up to rise, she freaked out and was like, the first to rise will be the first to die. Now, Dumbledore kind of like dismisses it and he's like, oh, whatever. But at the time, no one knew that at the table, you know, there was another person there, which was Peter Pettigrew, Mm. because he was there with Ron, you know, at this Christmas dinner. Ron had him in his pocket. And so that made the party 13, even before Trelawney joined them. Thus, when Dumbledore rises to greet her, he became the first to rise. And he does die three books later, but he does die. So prophecy number one that she gave that came true. The Mm. second one was um, in the Half-Blood Prince um, a few hours before the Death Eaters, you know, invaded Hogwarts through um, the vanishing cabinet that Draco repaired. Um, She says, the lightning struck tower, calamity, disaster, coming near all the time. And sure enough, at the top of the astronomy tower, the lightning struck tower, you could even say, is where Dumbledore died. So, so you know, Trelawney, she's given a few, like, prophecies that are accurate. But considering all the other things that she has said, like, throughout the books that a lot of people kind of dismissed... So, Abby, what about the prophecy that Trelawney gives in Prisoner of Azkaban, where it's after the crystal ball, uh, you know, kind of practice class where they're they're sitting there looking into crystal balls. Harry drops one, he picks it up, um, and he sees Sirius Black's face in it. And then, you know, Sybil Trelawney grabs him. And she, she, you know, she goes full on, full on scary demon voice. And she's like, (laughs) he will return tonight. Tonight, he who betrayed his friends whose heart rots with murder shall break free. You know, that one, you know, where it's like, um, and the, you know, the prophecy that Harry thinks is about Sirius Black, but really is about Peter Pettigrew, where it's like innocent blood shall be spilled, referring, of course, to Buckbeak, and uh, then saying, which was he that innocent? Uh, I don't know. I would say that. Yes, he was innocent. Was he that innocent? I mean, he did did kind of maim a kid. Yeah, but it was protecting itself. So, like, I mean, you can't categorize animals in the same realm as humans. Protecting itself? They don't have the ability to rationalize. That sounds like you're the one with the low expectations on hippogriffs. (laughs) You sound exactly like Draco big dumb brute <laughs> Hagrid did say hippogriffs were very intelligent very very intelligent very proud and hey prideful. they'll do anything yes. for a dead ferret <laughs> so true we all have those moments not necessarily for a dead ferret but you know 
But so, she, uh, Rob, you do raise a good point, but also remember that they went back in time and made sure that innocent blood was not spilt. Sure, sure. But everything else happened, though. So I think this opens up a weird uh, or a, rather an interesting question of whether these prophecies are set in stone or whether they are, uh, you know, things that what may be rather than things that what will be. It's almost like the it's almost like the mirror of uh, Galadriel. It's like you have wandered into the looking pool, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> things that were things that are and some things that may still come to pass, you know, and it's like it's like not what will be, but what might be. Yeah. Um, well, and we know that Gellert Grindelwald was also a it, steer within the Harry Potter is. wizarding world, and he saw visions or the future that wasn't always true, right? Well, but he needed so, to get hopped up on that that skull hookah first, right? Like, well, so in the Fantastic Beast, he it is revealed that he has a very powerful seer, and that the future is revealed to him on reflective surfaces. That skull thing is what he used to project his vision, so that so that way other other people could view it. Oh. Which, you know, that never came up in the books. Imagine figuring that out, though. Like, you're just a little little kid walking alongside a pond. All of a sudden, you see, like, you know, Dumbledore being like, Gellert, enough of this foolishness, stop! <laughs> Be like, who's this Dumbledore guy? <laughs> One thing, I don't know, I thought it was really odd that the Fantastic Beast franchise kind of threw that in because um, he had to, like, Gillert had to kill that, is it a chillin', right? Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. The chillin', mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, to see the future, which seemed really unnecessary to me, seeing as how he was already a seer, unless the whole purpose of him killing it was so that way he could control its course. That, that's the him. sense that i got well, that was yeah the thing yeah okay. because, because he, out to him he knew that the chillin would make it a, it would be a key element to his election but then mm -hmm. it wouldn't bow yeah. to him so then he was like well forget this and then well, kill you then the and make throat, and then yeah and then raised up whatever corpse or necromancy so, mad yeah. type of magic to produce My something that would is, is, can you not could he not have used the Imperious curse on it? Because I mean, like we saw with Mad Eye Moody, he was able to use it on that spider. Like, right. So would... you can use it on creatures, not just not right. just people. That's an interesting point. Right. So I always thought like either there was a big plot hole or they just didn't like on several different levels or I don't know. And I just always found that kind of odd. Well, but either I that, think, or I there's think, some uh, fantastic beasts or magical creatures that are that hold more magic to them, and maybe sure. resistant fair. to certain kinds of magic. Um, like I, think I would think a phoenix would maybe would also be a part of that, where like mm. you can't imperious curse a phoenix to just follow you around everywhere. Maybe you can. Mm -hmm. but I would think that I'm a sure phoenix might also resistant. be resistant to magic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think, and I think it's safe to say that the chillin would be resistant to it because remember, hey, that. That mama chillin' survived a, a killing curse for like six minutes. You know, sure <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it didn't fair. die until it saw Eddie Redmayne and then cried one single tear and then died. Just one. And she she looked at Eddie Redmayne and she cried that single tear, not because she was like, oh, thank goodness, my baby is going to be safe. She was like, oh, crap. 
nobody's going to understand what my species is named after Eddie Redman says it. <laughs> chilling. I'm chilling. <laughs> Do you just say we, we've been chilling? <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> so my question... Well, so speaking... Oh, go ahead. My question is, is any prophet, would they be considered a seer? Like Nostradamus? Well, so fun fact, um, I mean, maybe, but um, there is, I probably butchering the name, but there is Calchas, if I'm saying that correct, C-A-L-C-H-A-S. He was an ancient Greek wizard and seer who was uh, bested by Mopsus uh, over, like in a contest over who was more powerful, but Calchas was featured in Homer's The Iliad, and he was famous for correctly predicting many events of the Trojan War. Mm -hmm. But then upon being bested in a contest of soothsaying by Mopsus, he apparently killed himself in shame. And Mopsus, Mopsus, whatever his name is, he was a blind seer whose power, yeah, he was, um, whose power was great enough for him to accurately predict future events. And, uh, he was Jake Greek. Rowling. His name's probably pronounced Calchas. Fair. <laughs> but, uh, J.K. Rowling stated at a press conference um, that he was a Mopsus, Mopsus, whatever, was a very, very early character that um, she that was conceived of while she was still in the process of planning out Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, and she chose to cut him out of the story because of his skill at divination was quote too good and that having such a talented seer around harry potter's time would be detrimental to the story's drama absolutely Mm. so because he was too consistent too reliant yeah mopsis would just be like don't trust quirrell remember (laughs) snape is your friend (laughs) you you will think every single year that snape is behind something he is not he's helping you (laughs) you stupid boy Mopsis, is you son of an arrogant swine. I bet you <laughs> Harry still wouldn't listen, though. To be fair, Snape was a bit of a bully. Be like, yeah, Mopsis, Snape was a lot of a understand. bully. I'm the chosen one. <laughs> the boy who lived, not the boy who died. Not the boy who died. <laughs> <laughs> but, so um, then, is Jeremiah a seer? Uh, are we talking about biblical Jeremiah? We like are the, talking about biblical We're talking Jeremiah. about the biblical prophets? Jeremiah was a prophet. Theologically speaking, it wouldn't be an innate thing. In the world of Harry Potter. In the, I don't know. It still just doesn't feel right. (laughs) (laughs) I think obviously Nostradamus could be added to this list of people. Nostradamus. He wasn't a seer, walking around ringing bells all the time. Well, I mean, everyone Walking around all hunched over. Maybe he was stressed out by everything he was seeing. <laughs> but um, I did say that, um, you know, obviously, like, Cassandra Trelawney was considered to be a legendary seer. And, um, you know, but not a whole lot of seers are considered to be consistent or anything like that. Um one thing to consider is that there is um, a creature that is of 
quote, near human intelligence that are considered to be like natural born seers, and that is centaurs. Like, near human were they intelligence. Seers or were they astrologers? So they are considered to be natural born seers, and they use astronomy to, you know, like, so that is how they would. Um, you know, predict the future as they look to the stars. But I mean, one could say that looking to the stars could even be comparable to looking into a crystal ball or looking at tea leaves, right? Like if you know what to look for, maybe that makes you a seer. Right. So uh, Venus is in retrograde. Or is, uh, what's his name? Like, um, the one that saved Harry. Forensic. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Keep Mars is Mars. He says Mars is bright tonight. I think about that. Every years now we have looked to the stars, as centaurs. But yeah, I mean, they like maybe their divination is kind of part of like a little bit of like their folk spirituality. But I mean, they are very talented very magical beings like they can even though they cannot use wands they can like perform nonverbal magic so i don't know like centaurs can yeah ah what can they do and they use and they use that to shoot arrows well okay <laughs> if i can cast nonverbal magic i'm not using bows and arrows as much as i love the the practice you know as don't get me wrong i love archery it gets me right into that zen mode you know just but <laughs> i mean i'm not i'm not if i can throw fire bolts at people you know I'm just i'm not gonna use the bow let's imagine that was a firebolt that i hurled right at your face I'll tell you. <laughs> i'm envisioning Centarumon from digimon with that yeah. <laughs> big old plasma gun that he's got on his arm exactly yep that's You're the right. magic we're talking about mm-hmm Centaurumon, that's a deep cut right there. I'll tell you what, I'm disappointed. Astrology. Mm -hmm. I'm disappointed that the divinations class only included like tea leaf reading, crystal balls, and not reading the entrails of a disemboweled sheep. <laughs> We're like, all right, what do the entrails predict? Cut open, everything falls out. Well, the balls are enormous. That's not of any significance, just an observation. <laughs> <laughs> for those that don't know we are quoting uh year one, year one with jack black and michael Sarah. <laughs> delightful movie i can't believe the guy was skirting over abby calling centaurs near human intelligence and that was okay so obviously Ooh, i believe that pure they are sense is this I, so I <laughs> after i gave this big umbrage, speech about how we're inclusive we are inclusive and it but umbridge quoted that because i believe that is the ministry's opinion mm. but according to the ministry they also think that leprechauns are just magical creatures magical beasts the ministry is known to be quite corrupt and incorrect mm -hmm. would never ever say otherwise them ruddy stargazers <laughs> <laughs> Using bows instead of flying firebolts. <laughs> they don't even know nonverbal spells that can break ropes. 
there when Umbridge used that spell, I assure, I assume that like it's got to be a very like it's not just an average rope. There's got to be something going on. And also, he was prepared for Magic that. hemp. <laughs> it's my magic twine. Umbridge would never. <laughs> It's like it's like Wonder Woman's lasso. <laughs> it's like it'll bind you and make you tell the truth. But you know, getting us back on track, I do find it interesting. I mean, because divination is just the practice of divining the future, um, and like cultures all throughout time have come up with different divining practices. I mean, so like we often think about like crystal balls. That's always the uh, the picture we get in our head is uh, you know from uh, Robin Hood, the the Disney cartoon, sitting there with the crystal ball kind of feel, you know, um, reading the tea leaves. I mean, of course, we know that from the creepy ants from Coraline. Nobody? Never actually watched that movie. Oh, I I read the book. Oh, I'm surprised. Was it required required reading? It may have been required in fifth grade. I was going to say, there's no way you picked up that book on your own free will and... Right, you're right. You got me. You got me. You got me on that There's one. No way. But also in other culture, I mean, there was like uh, divining by uh, by using sticks. Like you take like these sticks, or maybe even bones. Um, yeah, so like even yeah, things like taking reading. chicken knuckle bones, and you toss them. What did the bones predict? You know. Um, and then there's different things like astrology. Um, even you look at like we've talked a lot about Greece. You know, with you know, and we've talked about hippo the fowl. But, you know, another thing that I think of as divination when uh, we look at, you know, Greek history, talk about the oracles, uh, specifically Mm. the Oracle of Delphi, where they basically had that poor. It's like, all right, we need to find some some poor teenager come over here and we're just going to we're just going to constantly have her inhale psycho uh, psycho hallucinogenic smoke to keep her in a in a crazed state and just see what jibber jabber comes out of her mouth. That'd be like sitting next to your friend Frank and being like, Frank, he's gonna he's gonna do a lot of stuff and he's gonna say a lot of weird stuff and we're just gonna take it all as uh, as uh, you know as as Bible. We're just gonna take it all all for what it is and take it as a hundred percent true. <laughs> take a but poor seventeen those... year old girl there. Ah, ah, the sheep are coming after me. Oh, I am a shepherd. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> But then in those instances, that might not necessarily be somebody that has the magical gifting or the inner eye to see the future, right? You know, those who do have the inner eye, I mean, you can be very lucrative after after graduating from Hogwarts, especially in the wizarding world. I don't know if we've already talked about this or not, but I mean, there's jobs littered all over the place for people who have credible um, and consistent visions or prophecies that they're able to do. I mean, how else do you fill up the Hall of Prophecies? I mean, you have obviously professors and educators who are teaching the subjects of like divination, astrology, that sort of thing. Um, You also have the profession known as naming seers, Hmm. right? Which is a wizard that would use divination to see the future. A naming seer would predict what a wizard and a witch's child would be like. And would suggest an appropriate name for the according according to their predictions. And to reach them, all you have to do is call one nine hundred eight six four three two 
psychic. <laughs> it's like... Well, and you also totally have legit. matchmakers. I mean, you look at Yenta from Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, Yenta's a total div uh, divination master. Yeah. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find, find me a find. find and catch, catch me a cat. <laughs> matchmaker, matchmaker, look through your book and find me a perfect, me a perfect match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm on Team Hermione on this one. I feel like this whole, you know, inner eye talk is a bunch of jibber jabber used by charlatans to make it seem like they have all of this prestige and, you know, and to give themselves credit um, and to make themselves sound credible. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, but not, very almost nobody can do what I can do. Trust me. You know, it's like doing all this David Blaine mentalist nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I don't believe you have the inner eye. And it's like, they pull out a deck of cards. Really? Then draw a card. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to change your mind? Is that the card that you wanted? <laughs> the one that I suggested to you? Is that the card that you want? I would like to also think that the Ministry of Magic would have seers, a department of seers, that would then send auras to different places throughout the world to catch dark wizards. And then they arrive, and they're like, Dang it, Johnson, the vision was wrong again. <laughs> I feel like that would just be used. I feel like being a seer in the wizarding world would be kind of like being a weatherman here in the <laughs> muggle world. You're like, if you mess up, you're, you're not going to lose your job. They're just like, well, I mean, you know, things happen. It's like, hey, sometimes, sometimes they're just wrong, you know? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure that the ministry only used Sears to, and I'm sure the result was a great disproportionate rating of uh, people of minorities being imprisoned under these so-called prophecies. And walk in, it's like a Dave Chappelle bit. <laughs> it's like they walk, in, he's still here. <laughs> open and shut case, Johnson. <laughs> That's what it is, open and shut case. <laughs> seen this before. Apparently this guy broke in and hung pictures of himself and his family all over the place. <laughs> And maybe I'm wrong about, you know, uh, divination. Maybe I'm just being a skeptical, you know, moose about it. But, hey, I just think skeptical that, uh, yeah, yeah, skeptical moose. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe I'm just being an, an, an old fody about it, you know. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, you guys tell me. Like, what, do you, what do you guys think? Do you think divination is a valid, you know, school of uh, teaching on the same level as, like, transfiguration, defense against the dark arts, you know, things like that? Or do you think that it's a bunch of hoo-ha? I guess I kind of view divination as sort of like taking a pottery class. It's an interesting elective. You might not ever apply it to your life once you leave class, but, hey, maybe you took something away from it. Maybe you decided it wasn't for you. But mm -hmm. if it, there is any sort of credibility behind it, as I said, it's one of those things where you're just born with it. So it's like maybe trying to teach it itself is a little useless. Mm -hmm. I don't. But it's like talking about it maybe is interesting to people. I do I think know. that there is there there are people who are natural born seers and have this skill within the wizarding community. But along the lines of like teaching all of the students at Hogwarts or like even offering it as an elective, I don't mm -hmm. necessarily know if I buy that everyone can successfully 
and efficiently interpret the future based off mm-hmm. of, you know, tea leaf reading or sure. even astrology. Um, I do think that there are some that can, but even Sybil Trelawney herself, like, I mean, most of the prophecies that she would claim would would not necessarily come to pass or would never come to pass. Mm-hmm. And there are only a few instances where out of her control, she enters the state of a trance to reveal right. whatever prophecy that she has. And so I don't know. I don't know if you can really teach that sort of thing to just your everyday witch or wizard. And I agree. I think the only like time that it seemed like an actual class that maybe someone could learn something is when Ferenz took over and he wasn't teaching anything about like crystal balls or like tea leaves and he was teaching them straight up astronomy where it seems like anyone can really just read the stars and the planets yeah yeah and so it's like that i think if it was going to be a class that would like where people could try to apply it to their lives that would be the only way and trelawney's class would only really be applicable as if the occasional one random student like maybe every four or five years that actually had that ability came in and like was able to learn but it doesn't seem like for 99 percent of the population it would ever pop up liz what do you think well from one perspective i think there needs to be an elective for everyone which includes the pravatis and the lavenders because i don't see them in the toad choir <laughs> I, don't, I also don't really see them taking arithmancy either. On the other hand, I'm really a lot of like a McGonagall where it's like, or what does Hermione say, that it's a woolly discipline? Yeah. But then another part of me is, takes the Michael Scott route, which is, you know, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. But I am <laughs> a little stitious. <laughs> I don't think I'm like either here or there. I'd probably vote for it and then just not take the class. And then not take the class. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you fair, just know fair. Padma and Pavardi Patil are all in signing up for the divination class. They seem they seem like that kind of basic kind of uh kind of type, you know, where they're just like they went oh, back I can't wait to two. read horoscopes. <laughs> Well, I mean, I hate to be the one to say it, but Indians love their horoscopes. I wouldn't say that those girls were superficial, <laughs> but they are a little official. Right. <laughs> I don't think they had 17 magazines to tell them what their horoscope was for the month. So, I don't think they <laughs> But if they did, they would read them. It's like... <laughs> No, they were definitely taking the priest route where they were taking their birth date and time and their sun sign and determining things from there. So, mm-hmm. Thanks, you guys, for joining us for this episode of the Slug Club Podcast. If you like the conversation and you want to hear more, you can find the Slug Club Podcast on Spotify or also on Apple Podcasts. If you want to join in on the conversation and give us ideas for new conversations, new podcast episodes, you can follow us on our social media at The Slug Club on Instagram or on Facebook. We'll see you guys later, but until then, mischief managed. The Slug Club podcast is a creative discussion between Harry Potter fans and has no affiliation whatsoever with Warner Brothers, J.K. Rowling, or any of their affiliates. All opinions expressed in the Slug Club podcast are completely our own. No house elves were harmed in the making of this episode.